grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited tonight. I'm so stoked. Our guest tonight, wow. Uh, I'm Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so, maybe longer, depending how things go, because I have a lot for you tonight. Um, in fact, I happened to find, I, I had this gentleman on five years ago on Blog Talk Radio. And so I got into my email and I happened to find some other sounds that he sent me back then. So we've got those sounds in addition to what he sent me for this show. I am so stoked, okay? My, again, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. for the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We're 35 strong up and down the state. Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. So we've got people everywhere right now. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please, please, please subscribe. Uh, there's a little guy, um, a little ghost that has a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat. Please subscribe to our channel because we we have more than 200 videos and all kinds of guests coming on. All kinds of guests coming on, came on, and all that good stuff. But what I want to talk about right now is this, is who's coming on. Right? Um, Ron Moorhead is the first one, person to ever get vocalizations from Sasquatch. And I know there's there's other people that have them. Okay? And so I want to talk to him about that because... Because, you know, his, um, Mr. Moorhead's are completely different. I, I'm thinking it's a different dialect, you know, like anything else. You know how maybe, you know, we don't speak French or whatever. So, you know, this particular group probably has its own dialect as opposed to the other group that, you know, that, that we've had on the show. But I'm really excited because the last interview we did was two hours and we really talked. And we talked up a storm. And so I'm stoked. I'm really stoked. I'm going to just shut up and bring him on. I mean, that's how excited I am. Okay. So here we go. here <laughs> there i am it's so good to have you on again <laughs> well thanks for having me i appreciate it yeah i found you know because you sent me uh four uh things last time a sound and i found them well good so we have those to talk about tonight it's been a while yeah it has been a while what have you been up to well i moved to north carolina so it's uh 9 30 back here right now <laughs> and uh I did that about three months ago. I moved out of the Pacific, and uh, anyway, I've just been back here enjoying a, a nice log home on a lake. And uh, weather's great; it's going to be eighty some odd degrees tomorrow, and uh, so that's what I've been up to. Uh, I, I've been speaking at these conventions and these broadcasts like yours, so I, I enjoy that. That's all I do now. You know, I'm I'm pushing the uh, age bracket here, so I don't, don't jump jump around the woods and swim rivers anymore. <laughs> You did all that study, you know, it's like, that's a game for the young. You know, that's how I feel with some of the stuff, too. You know, remember, um, like, Star Trek, when, when uh, William Shatner says it right, Captain Kirk, he says, oh, galloping around the cosmos is a game for the young. <laughs> yeah. It's for me, because I used to, like you, I was out in the woods and fishing a lot, you know, traipsing through the Tulis. No, it's a game for the young. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. You know, um, I had Mike Patterson on a few months ago. Huh? And that's why I was saying, you know, when we listen to the ones that you got, I'm thinking, you know, I I think it could be a situation where 
assuming what, what he, you know, I mean, what he has is is true. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna say that different dialects from different, you know, because it's because they're in different areas. Maybe they came from a different land bridge or something when they came over. But yours just totally blow me away because it, it, they sound so Asian. Yeah. Well, they're different, and uh, I say different. Uh, a lot of people say they've heard sounds just like we have, but of course, not everybody's recording them like like Mike and like myself and like. Uh, uh, well, I think that's the only ones that really got too much going on, very much going on. So, yeah, it's just that uh, I think there are different types of them. They have different attributes, and they can do different things because there's some anomalies associated with them. That's for sure, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I get into with my PowerPoint programs when I talk at these conventions and stuff. So. It's uh, it's uh, quite a trip. You know, I've been doing this now for over five decades. And uh, I started when I was 29 years old in the Sierra Mountains of California. And for those that don't know, uh, which I'm sure you got some listeners that don't know me from anybody, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I'm responsible for those Sierra sounds, you know, that's uh, been so heard around the world really now. Right, right, right. And do you tell people... Where did you go to get these sounds? That, that's the key. Well, I don't tell the spot because I don't want to okay, be inundated. So you don't have to. I'm just saying. Yeah, but I—it's uh, I, the Sierra Nevada Mountains of California. Yeah, right. Between I tell people it's between Yosemite and Tahoe, so that's what I tell people, and that's that's where you can you know there's a lot of reports actually between you know, that area, so, so it's I not isolated. I wanted to make room for your stuff. <laughs> make sure we had enough room and stuff. So, um, I have a picture. I, I got it off your website, okay? And this is where you used to go up. And I know you're not disclosing, you know, where this yeah. is. But Ted, yeah. didn't didn't somebody tear it down? Yeah, it went down in 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, that was because it was it was coming anyway. But the uh, Forestry Service found out about it, and you're not supposed to have stuff like that up there. So they wanted to take it down. So. The guys went in and took it down, and uh, I didn't go with them because I didn't want to be associated at the time because I'm I'm out here in the public's eye, right? And I didn't want people to, uh, well, I didn't want them to know where. I I just I stayed away from it at that time. Last time I was up there was in 2018 with uh, David Pilates, who did the 401 Missing Hunted, and uh, he did a little film uh, uh, about 15 minutes on me up there, interviewed me, and we was up there for a week. Him and his videographer, so. He's the only one I've ever let go in there and take him to the spot just because I say the only one. He's not the only one. I've taken Scott Nelson, the cryptolinguist, and mm-hmm. and, a, and a, a biologist in there to do some study work. But uh, other than that, I kind of keep it private because actually the heirs of the Johnsons who started the camp in the 58, 58 I think they started going up there. Their they're, uh, kids and grandkids uh, still go up there for hunting season. And uh, we just don't want it inundated because if people find out about uh, what goes on up there and the anomalies associated with that area. Uh, right. Or just be inundated with uh, researchers and destroyed. Well, I'm not sure how much of it's left because when we were up there in 2018, uh, there was a lot of fires going on in California. So mm-hmm. I did fly over in a little airplane, though, and it didn't look like that area right there had been uh, torched. It, it looked like it was still intact. So, But I don't know of anyone that's been there since then. I don't know if Johnson's go up there or not, because I know the trails were cut off. You couldn't even go, go that way because of the fires uh, uh, right after that. So I'm not sure what this, I don't know. I just don't know what the status is right now, that area. So what started you on this? I mean, did, did, did you just happen to go up there camping or, or hunting, you know, and then you heard something or? Well, here's what, what happened. 
Yeah, it was a uh, it was a 1971, and uh, it's just a hunting cap. No one's looking for Bigfoot. Uh, I wasn't a hunter at the time, but the guys who were hunting were my friends, and they were up there, and they came out with some uh, the story about uh, these monsters and Bigfoot. And, well, they didn't know it was Bigfoot, but it had a big, it left a Bigfoot impression. So, but they weren't hunting for Bigfoot, and uh, uh, one of the guys that got freaked out, he just left, and he wouldn't go back, and. The guys were supposed to come out. I was friends like with them all. So, uh, wise one would go back and see if these guys got eaten, if they got carried away, or what happened to them. Because if you don't know what you're messing with, they don't know. You don't know. It's just big. Mm-hmm. It's makes a big voice, got a big foot. And, uh, so, he wouldn't go back unless I went with him. So, I went with him. And uh, that's how I got involved with them. And then I seen the track. The guys were okay. They were just packing up to get out. And, uh, but it's eight miles into the wilderness. It's it's quite a trek to get in there. And uh, he about killed me getting me in there. because He's like a mule, this guy was. Uh, anyway, uh, I got to ride a horse out, so that helped me a lot. My legs were like jello. And uh, yeah, that's that's Al Barry and myself right there. Uh, he, he's the investigative reporter that went in in, in uh, 1972. And he recorded some sounds too. He was going in looking for a hoax, thinking it was probably somebody pulling his leg, but uh, it wasn't, and he wrote a book about it. And uh, uh, anyway, he he got the fostered the sounds, uh, studied the sounds at the University of Wyoming. Uh, Dr. Curlin, uh, electrical engineer, uh, doctor electrical engineer, uh, studied them for a year, and uh, he gave a report on it, wrote a paper, and it's in uh, a book called "Man Like Monsters on Trial," and it was presented at the UBC in uh, British Columbia, 1978, I think it was. And uh, anyway, uh, that didn't go as far as. Uh, we thought it would, but it showed a professor behind it who said the sounds were not uh, manipulated. They were not speeded up. They were not slowed down. They were, there was no 60-cycle hum. Of course, he found that out through I.E. Teibel, the people that studied the uh, Watergate tapes. He sent them back to New York, and they said, well, there's no 60-cycle hum in it. These are much too, more, much too powerful to, uh, to be a human-made. And it represented an animal called Dr. Curlin, about eight foot tall. So... Uh, that was a big step and a big hurdle, but it still wasn't enough to get academias out of their box because most of the academia think that these things are some type of a Loch Ness monster or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it wasn't until Scott Nelson got a hold of them in 2008. He's a cryptolinguist, a two-time graduate of the uh, Foreign School of uh, Foreign Languages at the Navy, uh, cryptolinguistic uh, school or something like that, foreign languages. And uh, anyway, I bedded him very well. He's a two-time graduate of that, and he studied the sounds. He, he heard him by accident, came out and interviewed me to get the context, interviewed Al Berry and got the context of the sounds. And, and he, uh, he went back and studied them. He said, this is a language. And his, his training was to, uh, to detect in the military, in the Navy, to detect uh, uh, manipulation in languages, or in, if it is a language, number one. And that's a big deal, by the way. Uh, it's bigger than anybody ever thought it was. But having these things having a language is, is unique. Right. I find out from, from Professor Lieberman, Brown University, uh, that uh, only humans are supposed to have the hardpoint, the, the mechanism here for language. And language, by the human definition of language, that's what these have, by the way, is a morphine stream of words which make up a cognizant sentence like we're talking now. Uh, mm-hmm. Dolphins don't have that. Uh, whales, nothing has that. Everybody communicates. Everything communicates, but not with language like humans do. Only humans are supposed to have that in the world. Well, these things have that. So that tells me 
That takes it to another level, but it tells me that there's a human component to these, at least the ones we were dealing with. That's the only ones I'm talking about, the ones we were dealing right. with in the Sierras right. there. So they have a human component to them, I think. And not, I think, uh, they have to have to have length. And by the way, these are outside the average human range. The humans can't do this. You see the study Dr. Curlin did, you see the a box where he's uh, um, put the average human range in. And, and then you see the sound that he studied where all these little icons are that made those sounds. And, uh, but still, people who say they can make these sounds and they can imitate them and all that, they're, they're full of, sh you know what? <laughs> well, they can't do it. They can't do it. They step, these, these creatures are stepping on each other with their vocal mechanism. You know, they're talking to each other. And uh, very clear, I've got some really clear recordings. I mean, I have some very clear ones too, but they burn up in a house fire I had. But uh, anyway, uh, that's how it got started with me. I started going back up there just as often as I could. And, uh, and I started becoming a hunter at that time because that's what the camp was all about. Uh, mm -hmm. The Bigfoot was a was a big deal, but we were as underestimating what they were at the time. They were just some kind of a big unidentified ape running around the woods. That's all we thought. But there's so many strange things going on too. You didn't know what to do with it, so we just kind of put that up on the shelf and thought, well, it's still just a bear-like animal, some kind of a monster out there. <laughs> But it got me on a trek of 50 years now. I've been interviewing people, talking to people, traveling around the world, been in the Niberia, uh, Siberia, into Nepal, South America a couple of times, studying the elongated skulls, see if there was a crumb trail on the sagittal crest that they report on Bigfoot up here. And uh, so I've uh, I've been studying it and looking into it and wrote a couple of books. And it's it's been quite a captivating thing for me. Exciting thing, I got to tell you. The thing is, they're in almost every state. It's not like they're just in California. You know, they're in British Columbia. They've even got them in Tennessee, you know, and maybe where you're at, too. Not, didn't I hear there's a story about a lake monster or something that hangs near the lakes in, in your area? <laughs> yeah, I spoke in Gatlinburg last year. And also, I'm going to Knoxville, Knoxville next month. I'm going to Hastings soon. I, I get to lose track of these things, but yeah, uh, I spoke in uh, back here. I, I've been speaking back here. There's a big interest in it back here because there's a lot of a lot of being seen back here, and uh, especially in the Davy Crockett area, I guess, a big forest over there. And uh, so I got, uh, I, I was surprised. You know, there's thousands of people show up at these conventions now, and uh, uh, there's thousands. I was just in uh, Kelso, Washington, here last month, and and uh, there was two. Over 2,400 and some odd people there, and uh, it's just a, a lot of interest in this subject matter because a lot of people are witnessing these things, and and more and more people are hooking into it. I don't try to convince anybody they're out there. That's not what I'm doing. I, I don't. I, I just tell them what I think they're all about and what I where I think it take has taken me over 50 years of studying it, and mm -hmm. it's taken me into uh, how they do what they do because that's that's what I've heard so many reports of. <laughs> these things are disappear or the trackway stop or or something like that takes place and a lot of that stuff happened to us up there and uh, i i think i got some of the i'm headed towards the answers to that and i think it runs into quantum physics really and most people we live in a three-dimensional paradigm here mm -hmm. it's not a paradigm it's what we live in three dimensions <laughs> but there's more <laughs> as we probably know if you're into physics at all they've established 11 at least 11 i think different dimensions and we're only seeing three we see in the 
lights parameters, and lights parameters is 440 terahertz to 770 terahertz. That's the frequency. Everything's frequency, energy, and vibration, according to Nikola Tesla, which, which I think we must know that. But we've all been brainwashed with Newtonian physics says that's all there is. But Newtonian physics in 1687 was based in everything being material, physical, uh, predictable, measurable. Well, nothing's, no. I asked somebody how far it is to the end of the universe one time. That's not measurable. How do you measure that? You know, so I, I just uh, oh, it set me off on a trek here. Since I was a little boy, I looked up the stars and wondered where in the world's into space. Somebody tell me what that wall looks like, you know, and uh, you can't. So you have to just conceive it. And that's where quantum physics is. You, it's all mathematics, and the universe is perfectly mathematically perfect. So that's where the physicists, theoretical physicists, get off. Like Einstein did his his uh, his theories uh, through math, and all the you know Schrodinger, Bohr, all those physicists of old, they got into modern physics, which is called <coughs> quantum physics. And that's only a little over 100 years old. Uh, Dr. Max Planck, who who got a Nobel Prize for it, that was in 2000 or 1918. It was yeah, just a little over 100 years ago. But you don't hear that being taught too much you know you got to right. really you know work to to learn anything about it but what you learn what you learn is what you can see in your three-dimensional environment with your eyes perceptions and that's all you can we're trained to believe but this is not that way uh things are there's more going on we have to live with it because that's what we're in but right. quantum physics rises on the back of, of uh of uh, classical science when we think about that, and, and we think about the Sasquatch, you, I, I saw you on a TV show. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but um, they were talking about how sometimes the, there's a blue light when Sasquatch appears and disappears. Well, I saw the, I saw a UFO up there once. It was a blue okay. ball of light. It might have been, okay. one, it might have been me, which you saw Maybe that. Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the one that said that because i did <laughs> and that was when all this stuff was going on too but it was a controlled big ball like the moon coming down except it was controlled and i lost it behind the tree line you know so i'm not sure but it was uh, close to our area and uh that's but there's more going on than that just the sounds you couldn't identify and they weren't vocalizations they were metallic sounds wow. uh, uh, time we thought we heard it, I thought it was a tuning fork, you know, just a huge tuning fork above our head. This is the daytime. You're looking around to see the source of it and you can't find it. Uh, there's no helicopters doing that. You know, it's not a helicopter sound. It's a whoo, 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 you know, like a tuning fork. <laughs> and there's just other things going on too. I, I mentioned this uh, filming that I did up there in 2018. Uh, I thought I heard a car door slam outside this shelter. Now we're eight miles in the wilderness, very imposing. You can't drive to it. Uh, that's how far you have to hike to get there, horseback or hike. You can't take a motor vehicle in there at all. So it's 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 way high in the Sierra Nevadas Islands of California. And, uh, but a lot of strange oh. things went on with us up there. And, like you say, when you talk about quantum physics and stuff, I mean, do you think, I mean, could it be our own government, you know, tapping into that kind of stuff and messing around with that stuff up there? Because, I mean, no one technically is going to be up there walking around and stay, you know, you know what I mean? And so yeah. for them to, to be doing these tests, that's where they would do it if they were going to do it. Well, uh, I don't know how important we were to them, but they were sure pulling some, something over our eyes if they were doing it that way. Because <laughs> they were making the sounds, too, and leaving nothing but their tracks. Mm -hmm. So you have to wonder. Yeah, I, I mean, nothing's impossible, but I don't think so. I think it was something foreign. Uh, 
something from the cosmos maybe or or just something we're not aware of but i think there's a lot of uh, alien activity going on now there has been for eons i think they probably mess with the genome of different species on this planet and uh, this is one of them the bigfoot phenomena mm-hmm. but but they're not all the same i gotta tell you i think different species have been on this planet and are here now i'm sure they got a hybridization program going on that, that i just believe that uh and they've uh, they're trying to indoctrinate their species to this environment is my opinion yeah. well see that's a thought i always had because you know like in the ancient times because obviously they were here i mean you look at the you know uh egyptian pyramids and, and the drawings that are in there i mean obviously there's alien influence and my thought was that you know we have the neanderthal and all this going on that maybe they came at that point and was, were trying to mess around with the genetics back then and then they ended up creating this other be this other type of being but then when they realized that it wasn't going to be i don't want to say intelligent because they are intelligent in their way you know they are intelligent for what for what for what they're doing out in the woods and stuff but as far as the aliens were concerned they were too hard to you know something like they were too hard to handle or something and then they just sent them all back you know and then they were able to multiply here well i i'm not sure you know that that's the way they all were i, I kind of think that probably oh, aliens like been here right now, now, okay? Okay. thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of years ago i think probably they've messed with uh that's how long they've been messing with species and they did take the troglodyte i think and probably uh messed with his genome and mm-hmm. and um did dna on him and uh, made him into an intelligent being uh because they are intelligent and they're right. they're sapient they're not just intelligent they're 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 very i, I gotta tell you i think there's what i was dealing with up there probably a little more advanced than we are and now that's hard to people swallow we're supposed to be the most most thing on this earth right oh, yeah, that's what i was getting at. i mean uh, like i like i said that they are intelligent they really are but you know by our by our standards but you you know you, you might mean yeah they're intuitive too they're very intuitive yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, they're very uh, stealthy. Uh, they've learned to be that way. Um, the Patterson uh, Bigfoot, which most people have heard about, 1967 in Bluff Creek, I don't think that was the same type of uh, entity that we were dealing with. And because of the uh, anomalies associated with what we were dealing with, I, I think there's got to be a maybe an alien component to these things. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what they were doing, why they were reaching out to us like they were and messing with us and toying with us sometimes. Uh, it was, we don't know why, other than maybe so I could talk to you tonight. I don't know. Because right, right, <laughs> you know, right. it's, uh, it's, it's been quite a trip and quite a learning experience for me to, to get into. Because I think Bigfoot's the smaller story here. You know, the bigger story is what's going on on this planet. Right. And, uh, and I think that's what I'm tuning into more and more and more as I go. Uh, but I get called out on these uh, Bigfoot things, and it brings me into what I think. And this is what I think. <laughs> I'm going to say what oh, I think. I agree. I'm 80 years old now, so I can I can say what I think and not worry about it. Want, yeah. <laughs> well, some people uh, put me in a woo-woo camp because I believe that they can do all these strange things. Well, nothing can be smarter than humans, right? Well, BS. Uh, there's a lot of things smarter than us. Not a lot, but I... I Anyway, uh, everything's energy, frequency, and vibration. And uh, I think, who was it? Uh, uh, Edgar Mitchell, you know, Dr. Edgar Mitchell. He said that uh, it takes classical and quantum sciences together to have clear perception. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's 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 what you have to do. You have to understand that there's more going on than what you meet your eyes, and what you can, you know, we 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 can't hear infrasound or ultrasound, but they're existing. Uh, we can't see everything. Animals can see more than we can. It, you know, they got a better uh, uh, range of eye uh, frequency. But uh, these things are able to. I think also I got to bring up something else that I love to talk about now is uh, these people say they disappear. Well, for a long time, you don't agree with that. You just, no, nothing can disappear. Well, yeah, it can go out of our perception. And uh, how does that happen, though? That's the, that's the key right there to quantum physics because everything is a vibration. If they can change the vibrational frequency somehow, they can change matter into energy. And there they will disappear. They will go through the fourth dimension of uh the plasma field and just uh you won't see them they'll look like a ghost and uh then what happens their trackways the trackways just stop because there's no more density right and uh, you know that's 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 uh, if you really want to get into it was a doctor uh uh what was his name i wrote it down here because i knew i was going to want to talk about this one paul derrick 1933 won the Nobel prize for how you he mathematically showed how matter can go directly into energy okay how do you buy that one well now cern you know the you know what cern is right over in france well they've 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 proven that through cern you know how they can create matter from energy and energy from matter you can go back and forth with it uh so anyway i had to say that part because that's fun because these things can change their matter into energy through vibration frequency there's got to be a lot of them out there, you know, that people are unaware of. And it makes a lot of sense because as much as we, as, as, as the humans are in the woods, you know, with their cars, with their ATV, you know, with the horses and hunting and doing all this other stuff, there's still a rare thing to see. Oh, absolutely. You it's know, like and that's getting hit by lightning twice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I, I agree with you where they, they must have some kind of capability to hide. Well, I believe that. And uh, of course, I think there's a science behind how they do that. And why didn't we see them more often? Because sometimes right. I would, I'd hear them walking around our shelter out there because so many sounds were got, they were right out there. And I uh, waiting for the light to break in the, in the shelter's walls, you know, because just a lean to there. And yet you never saw the shadow. You never see anything break, uh, you know, because so, you hear it out there, but you don't see it. And I wondered, we didn't think about anything like this at the time. We just underestimated what we're dealing with totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't try to figure this out. We thought we're still smarter than they are, right? Well, you could rig up a camera trap, which we did on several occasions, but they'd go around it. Well, you know, you got it six feet high, and they've been coming in that way every night after the food, and all of a sudden, they won't come in that way because there's a black thread six foot up there. <laughs> well, they watch you do that. They know what's going on. They're, they're not a stupid animal. At least no. what we were dealing with. I want to re-emphasize that because I think over the eons, and we can talk about these things being here for eons, they probably inbred and crossbred with the indigenous people. And that's given them more of a, more of a human component than mm-hmm. bringing them more into what we are. And that's what I think the Patterson film uh, represents was something that uh, a hybrid type being more so than uh, than what we were dealing with in Sierras there. But again, uh, a lot of people have seen these things uh, all through California, Oregon, and, and the Pacific Northwest, all the way into Washington. I just moved off the Olympic Peninsula 
and uh, there's quite a bit going on up there. Do you think, um, have you seen rises and increases in the activity? Well, I, I think more and more people are beginning aware. So, and I think the young ones of these, because when, when they do uh, procreate, they, they keep their young ones in this environment, I think, until they learn how to do what they can do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, we had a young one up there. In fact, I record his voice. Uh, and uh, I think it's young. It sounds like a young one. It sounds like a big one coming down on it for getting too bold. That's what I think the young ones are doing. They're just jumping out a little bit more. But we're also in the age of enlightenment, too. So we're, I think these things are coming out and they're being more exposed. We're more uh, infiltrated into the forestry force more and they're multiplying. So right. more and more sightings are happening. And that's why there's so many people interested in this because, you know, wherever I go, once they find out I'm involved in this, and I don't advertise it all that much, but once they find out I'm involved in this, I get flocked with people saying, yeah, well, my co-and-so, or I saw this, uh, some, they got some kind of connection to something. You know, disbelieve it and throw you out like like they would have 20 years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just amazing how people are hooking into this. And and I love how they uh, how they resonate with uh, my theories here, too, because uh, there is a science now, because most people, like I say, either in the ape camp over here, or you're in the woo-woo camp over here. Well, what I say and what I said in my last convention, I said, you know, if you go to church on Sunday, if you believe in God, welcome to the woo-woo camp. Because, <laughs> you know, some of these scientists can be can be very religious on Sunday and go to church and believe, yeah, something's going to happen when we die. Yet they, they have to stay in the parameters of their classical ways uh, through the week with their studies. But according to Einstein, according to Stephen Hawkins, according to all physicists, energy can't die. So we only change form. Mm-hmm. So these religions will say, well, you're going to go to heaven when you die. Well, a physicist so you're going to go into another form, another dimension. And that's where I think these things are able to go. Somehow they can change their matter into energy. And that's, uh, anyway, it goes on from there. When you first started going up there, I mean, were they less active with you? Or, or, or did it start off right away where you were hearing sounds and all this was going on? It started off right away in the 70s, early 70s. I mean, 71, 72 was very active. 74, um, that's when I started. They finally started interacting with us while we were outside that shelter. And that was just me and Bill McDowell, my friend. And we were out there. We just hauled supplies in our horses and mules. And and they knew we were coming. They knew where we were going. They got there before we did. I, I established that the next morning when I seen their tracks and some things that went on. They actually did a couple of things uh, that we know they did it just for us so we could see it. And uh, that was 1974. And that's the night, by the way, I got to see one, which was my first all this time. And they were, I could say, interacting with us. And I started recording. I got my little tape recorder cassette. That's all we had in those days. And uh, started recording it. And that's what I produced my second CD with my story. And those sounds, the tree knocking, the whooping sounds, the, the chattering back and forth with me. I started yelling back to me. Again, underestimate. I was trying to mimic them when they were trying to tell me something. And you could tell it was a question. Uh, I mean, just from the inflection on the on the sentence. So I don't know what they were saying. The, the crypto-linguist uh, transcribed a language. He did not translate a language. Mm-hmm. So until it could get translated, I had people over the years say, oh, I know what they're saying to you. They all tell me something different, though. So how do you know what to believe? <laughs> uh, until they... You know, was there ever any worry, like when you guys were out 
I don't know how you did your recording. Did you, did, you, did you do the recordings outside by the fire, or did you do the recordings inside? Inside, mostly, except okay. for the one night in 74, when they started interacting with us while we're outside. I was still always fixing the bill is putting horses away and I was started to stove up with fire. We'd haul that in a, year, a couple of years before and, and put it together. And uh, so I was making our dinner and uh, getting it ready. And what we found out is you just once they start whooping and knocking and pounding and doing stuff like that, they just leave it alone. Don't don't try to shine a light out there and and see what's going on. Just act like nothing's going on. Don't give them the time of day and, mm -hmm. and they'll start coming in closer and the first thing you know they started yelling out at me and uh that's when i started yelling back like okay i'll wow. go with it and i got it all recorded and that was fun that was an exciting so, night the one that you actually saw how close was it to you oh it was way always way probably 60 yards maybe yeah about like that maybe 40 50, somewhere in there he's just shooting through the trees bright moonlit night and uh, he was those coined the samurai cry. We was taping him anyway, and, and uh, actually Matt Moneymaker from VFRO uh, coined that sound in 1995 when he heard it and put it on his website. And uh, it's been kind of taken off. Oh, that's samurai language or something. But he made this big cry up behind me, and, and I seen him going streaking down to where we think the little one was with the with the female. And uh, we think that's what we think. Uh, I see. I seen just him going through real fast and. Very fast, by the way, just like they floated through the trees, and uh, so that's that's my only glimpse. And uh, Bill saw one that night too, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a long time coming. That's incredible. I mean, to be to just go up there to me, I don't know if I'd be. Cause I told you last. I told you last time that I had. Um, I was thinking about joining up with you know BFRO. You know, I had their handbook and everything I had read. I don't know if I if I have it in me to be that brave to do to do what you did because you don't know. I mean, obviously, you know. Well, maybe at first, you know what I mean, because you don't know what the reaction is going to be. <laughs> well, when you're 29, nothing can hurt you, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was 20, 30, right on there. It started at 29, but it went on for quite a while. And that's what's unique about it too is these things knew we were there. They knew we weren't going to shoot at them. We felt like after a while they weren't going to attack us because the first sounds we started recording were very aggressive and uh, chest beating and teeth popping and really gorilla type sounds, but yet they were chattering mm -hmm. and uh, talking to each other. And I say talking, uh, it's very rapid chatter. It's the same thing that was reported by uh, John Green when he interviewed Albert Osman from the Toba Inlet uh, in British Columbia in 1924. Yeah. That's how long that's been. And he said uh, he was kidnapped, supposedly in hell for six days at, in this bowl up in uh, Toba Inlet there, inland from there. Carried away and held there for six days, and he was held by a male, which carried him there, and a, there was a female there and two adolescents. And uh, he observed them for quite a while, and uh, he said they were chattering amongst themselves. So this isn't the first uh, report of them chattering. There's a lot of that stuff goes on. Sometimes, too, you'll think there's some people over there. <laughs> Because you will, and sometimes you'll be out in the forest. You might think you hear your your name called, or your dog's name calling. Your dog's not even there. Mm -hmm. They'll play with you like that, and uh, they they think they just want to. They think they think we think we're smarter than them. That's what it is. But when you're out in the woods, it's their territory. It's their it's their environment. They 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 got it over us out there. 
But like, yeah, but like you say, you know, the more you went up, the more relaxed they were because they recognized you. Yeah, they definitely knew who we were. Yeah, I have no doubts about that whatsoever. Because that that night in '74, that day in '74, when we went in, uh, we packed our mules up and horses and got to start off real early so we could make it all the way into camp. And uh, uh, about a couple hundred yards up the trail, uh, there's a trail partially up there. A couple hundred yards up the trail, our horses and mules uh, got rowdy, and that, we didn't think much of it. It could have been a bear, could have been a deer, could have been a rattlesnake. I got a 52-inch rattlesnake band around my hat, one of my hats, <laughs> and uh, so I didn't think much of it. We just kept going. Well, about a quarter mile up the trail, uh, maybe a half mile up the trail, uh, seeing this big track, perpendicular trail, Bigfoot track, and I thought, oh, that's it. You know, they're here. That's, that's maybe what happened to us down below. Maybe that's what it was. But they were probably observing us packing our animals. And then they took off. And if you could follow that track the way it was headed, it was headed right towards our, we couldn't go that way, but it was headed right towards where our camp was miles, miles away. Uh, but anyway, we got to camp and, and it was just getting dark. And like I say, Bill was uh, undoing the animals and, and getting their food out. And I was, uh, uh, started the fire and we started the, the meal and it was just getting dark and and we heard the uh, big pop of the limb and that's what they'll do too it's not like some little bear or some deer mm-hmm. stepping on a limb it's a big crack and uh oh okay something's out there <laughs> we're still outside because we wonder should we go in because we'd always had to go in when something started happening they wouldn't mess with you no let's stay outside so we stayed out and uh all of a sudden, you're hearing the whooping sounds. You know, there's a whooping over here and whoop, whoop over here. And different types of whoops were going on. I think that's the messaging they have between each other. And so, same way with the rock cocking. You hear the rock. I've got this taped, by the way. <laughs> you hear the rock copping, you know, popping and rhythmically. Mm-hmm. And you hear a tree knocking over. Or you think it's a tree. You think it's rock because that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And and uh, then all of a sudden, like I say, if you just ignore them like we did, then all of a sudden they start yapping. And uh, they start yapping at you. And. And I yapped back. <laughs> it was fun, exciting. I gotta say, yeah. And that went on for about an hour that night. That's incredible. Um, there's reports, you know, of them throwing rocks and stuff at at people. Did you did you did you you know experience anything like that? Where you know where they were tossing rocks? Not so much at you guys, but just to me, uh, you know, to get your attention. Not at our camp. No, Larry Johnson, one of the guys that uh, was up there. He's Warren Johnson's son. He was coming in from a way he normally don't come in as the camp, walking in. And uh, he said a rock, a pretty good sized rock was thrown over his head. And uh, it couldn't have, it wasn't just falling, it was thrown. And uh, when that happens, uh, that means you're getting too close to something. Uh, you ought to change your direction or something like that. So anyway, and there was one other time, uh, Al Berry and I went on uh, outing together up in uh, Chester on Lake Commodore up there, and uh, these guys in the in the woods way back in there, mining camp, old abandoned mining camp, said they'd been encountering these bigfoot creatures. And they'd seen it a time or two, and we went. They picked us up at the airport. I drove flew up there in my plane, and and uh, they took us to where they had this going on. We was way back in the middle of nowhere, at this into this mining road, and and uh, we was around the fire because it's dark, and all of a sudden. Phew, there goes a rock right by us, you know, I hit this tree. 
<laughs> and I mean, it, it was like an arrow going by you. And Al Berry was recording at the time because we was talking around the fire. And uh, it took something to, to catapult that thing with one heck of an arm or something. And I just nothing happens like that with just a human arm or I don't know how. Anyway, we found where next morning we seen where it hit the tree. We found the rock. And so they throw rocks, but you don't ever hear them hitting something. I'm sure they could if they wanted to. You know, they're probably excellent at that. Uh, these guys wouldn't spend the night. We did just because we're that, <laughs> we're that way. Right. <laughs> you know, so what? You either live or die. <laughs> and it's an experience. That's pretty that funny. <laughs> yeah, but that was a Chester. That, that, that area is known for that because that's that's cave country up there. I mean, Mount Shasta and all, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, all, all up and down there, you know, people want to know, well, where can I go to have a Bigfoot experience? Well, most of them think they want to have one, but they get out there and something happens, they run, you know, because <laughs> it scares them. And I got to tell you, the only thing I think that you got to worry about is your own fear. Uh, I think that's your only enemy you have. If you don't have fear, you're probably not going to get bothered uh, by too much because nothing can hurt you. And that's how I see life now, you know. That's how what I are you talking about it being older older ones and younger ones how did you determine that just the sound of the voice okay. uh yeah it's just a smaller voice and you hear this big voice coming down if you listen to my recordings you can well actually the little voice only comes with the download in my book my mm -hmm. book voices in the wilderness has a download of sounds and i used to send out a cd with that but i, I got too busy with it and i couldn't pack it i just didn't want to mess with it so i I have it filled now through Amazon, and I couldn't put a CD with it then, so I just mm -hmm. put the download link in there, and they can hook onto that and hear the sound. Or you can download it all on my website, and uh, all of them's downloadable. And uh, you can hear the little voice, and it, you, you can tell it's a small one. And plus, we've seen tracks of the snow up there when we when it did snow and we were still there. Uh, yeah, a little 9-inch track along with an 18-inch track was dropping along the snow. So that tells you there's something smaller than the big ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's, a, there's some huge ones up there, too, though. We found some really nice big tracks up there. Um, would would this primarily happen at night, this this, this conversation that, that you would have with them? Yes, mostly in the dark, yeah, or dusk. Uh, they would come around the daytime, so a lot of times we'd leave our horses tied up and we'd just go walking in the daytime, either hunting on foot or just hiking on foot. And uh, come back, and there'd be some Bigfoot tracks around our horses. And you wonder, okay, they're interested in that. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I think they, they can be wherever they want to be, anytime they want to be. Uh, very stealthy, very, uh, very stealthy. When you talk about their footprints, um, you know, disappearing. Have you seen that? Uh, you know, in your, in your experience, have you seen a lot of that out in the woods where you'll you, you'll just be tracking them and the, there's no footprints? Not a lot. A lot. Of, I didn't look for that part. You know, you just follow it, and all of a sudden it goes off to where you can't get, and okay. you don't know if it just disappeared or if it just went where you couldn't get. But there was one time, and uh, this is when my daughter saw one uh, very clearly, and uh, uh, we found his trackway, and uh, all I started following, and it just stopped. And uh, I mean, these tracks were a couple of inches deep and, and Scott Nelson, who's a cryptolinguist, he was with me at that time and he couldn't even make a dent in the ground. It was so hard. And yet this thing made the kind of a trackway and then it just stopped. 
And I looked up the tree, and I've heard this for a lot, a lot, of, a lot of years I've heard people say, the trackway stopped. Well, then that's when you throw them out with the baby water. You know, just nothing can still want a helicopter pick them up. That's what most researchers want to think. No, it's a hoax, right? Well, no, it can happen. It happens mm -hmm. like what I mentioned ago through density. They, they can change their matter. And uh, But this trackway stopped. I looked, could have jumped up in a tree. Uh, did, no, trees are, no, didn't do that. Jumped over to a boulder, no, nothing like that. Just they just stopped. So, where do you go with that? <laughs> well, I mean, their lake span, you know, the big ones, they gotta have a huge lake span. So, I mean, you know, they, they could have gone over the boulder for all we know, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, they've just got this huge lake span or climbed over or whatever. But well, they I'm could just, jump, yeah, they yeah. could jump exactly, yeah. Because I know the reports are the ones that. That people see that 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 go up the embankments, you know, and, and it's not even any effort for, for them to yeah. like go up. So I just I just find what 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 you do so interesting, you know, and, and being able to be up there and do this stuff, you know, to have that secret secret place mm -hmm. to go up and do this. Yeah, there's a lot of uh. I just got a call today from a guy wanting to go to the Sierras, doing on a on a, a Bigfoot expedition. They want to talk to me about it, but I hope they don't want to ask me where to go. <laughs> you can go anywhere. I mean, it's it's who you are and where your vibrational frequency is, because we all have a frequency. Everything is frequency. And if you can get the right frequency, uh, you can change matter. And that's just the way our masters did their miracles in the old days. They, you know, that's how we can do things if we just learn how to tune into that to it right. And uh the Beach Boy song, everything's a good vibration. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think they were thinking this way, but that's what the song said. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you need to change your own vibration to be healthy, too. If you can keep yourself happy and keep yourself uh, eating right and, uh, and meditating and not dwelling on negative crap, just keep a positive attitude all the time. You'll keep your vibration high. And that's important, I think, because... Uh, you don't get sick anymore. I've been sick mm -hmm. in ages, and I don't plan on getting sick because I'm I'm a happy guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, I think uh, we we eat well. I eat well and uh, uh, meditate. You got to meditate, and that's where you open up your pineal gland to receive information, and that's where Tesla got a lot of answers to his problems. Was after he come out of a theta type sleep and. Uh, uh, when you pray, you're asking for something. When you meditate, you're you're receiving, and you do that through just emptying your mind and being relaxed, and get up on a nice warm rock somewhere and do that, and uh, mm -hmm. you'll find that your frequency and your health and everything gets better. And you learn that this life really is all about just experiences. You know, I've had a lot of experiences. We all have. That's what life's all about is experiences. But more than just the experience, I think it's it's how you respond to the experience. If you learn to respond to experiences, no matter what they are, with positiveness and not negativity, uh, you, you learn to have compassion for people. Uh, you learn what love is all about, really. And and when you get into that, and this is my philosophy here, but it's not just mine. It's 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 how masters became masters was was telling us how to do it. And and I, I haven't learned how to walk on water yet, and I haven't learned how to turn water into wine. Mm -hmm. If I could do all that stuff, I'd, I'd really I don't know, I'd save a lot of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I get carried off on these things. I, I mess up okay. the Bigfoot story here, but, but no, it's, it's okay. uh, I mean, you know, it's I where mean, Bigfoot's taken me. That's Charlotte. It's just, 
You be, just... you become very open minded now. Yeah. <laughs> one one with the universe. That's cool. Yeah, how big is the universe? Somebody tell me how far it is. I thought I got kicked out of the scientific club when I said somebody here's got to tell me how far it is the universe. Everything's measurable, like like Newtonian physics says. Well, tell me how far it is. I want to see the wall. And, uh, what's on the other side of that wall? <laughs> you know what, what what I gotta give you guys credit for? I mean, you would sit in the dark. In, in you know in this in, in this what the shelter and you hear them walking around well i mean i can admit when i've gone camping the deer would come in you know i'd be in a tent the deer would be coming in i even had one poke its head through the tent once okay so i can only imagine what these things sound like because they're so big and heavy you know as they're walking around the outside i think i related to a two-legged elephant uh, the last time i really heard some really chatter was in 2011 mm -hmm. and uh i had arranged it scott nelson and i had been up there three times that summer and spent about a week each time and and didn't get anything definitive it had some things happen but unless you can really pin it down i don't say it's a big foot if you can make anything else out of it i make something else out of it until i you know so anyway i wonder where well, they're still going around and uh he left to go back to his teaching job in missouri and uh I got a friend of mine, actually, one of the, the son of one of the guys who used to go up there. And I said, you want to go up there with me? And he, yeah, let's go up there. So we was going to go up there again. And, and uh, he backed out. <laughs> so I went by myself. And you don't, you really shouldn't be doing that. I mean, yeah. anything can bother you up there. Like I say, I had a 52-inch rattlesnake up there. And uh, nine and a half rattlers on that sucker. He's he's my hat band now. Uh, <clears throat> and... and uh, yeah, bear, uh, a lot of bear out there. But I went by myself in 2011 and uh, set up this little tent. I didn't want to sleep in the shelter. It just was closing and the trees were getting bigger. And and it was, anyway, I slept outside this little tent. And uh, before I went to bed, though, uh, the mosquitoes were horrible. So it was still daylight. I went inside the tent and this uh, big old crack happened right outside the tent i went in there and started reading and everything like a big tree pop you know it's not like a like a gunshot going off really just really loud and uh i thought oh i got company <laughs> something's out there and uh you know it's, it's it, nobody's following me by the way it's not like there's other people around that's we know that i mean it's just imposing nobody wants to do that number one anyway I waited a couple of minutes. I think, well, I wonder what they want me to do. So I, I got out of the tent. It's still daylight. And I'm I'm waving this T-shirt around here trying to keep the mosquitoes off of me, you know. And, and I say, you know, I just want to talk to you. Come out here. I'm here now. I'm not going to hurt you. Not that I could have. But uh, all I had was a 38 pea shooter, you know, with birdshot in it. Because that's just to scare the bear away if they come and get you food or something. And uh, nothing happened. Nothing. So. I went back in the tent and uh, zipped it up and set my tape recorder on brand new lithium batteries in there, checked it all out, you know, so everything's fine. And 10 o'clock that night, I hear this chattering going on about 50 feet away, maybe maybe 50 yards or something like that out there. Couldn't tell how far it was. And same time, something popped one of these old barrels we had up there and started tromping around out there. Very bipedal, <laughs> heavy. And, you know, you, you're, it's, 10 feet away from you just you don't know what it's doing or what it's gonna do my tape recorder wouldn't come on it wouldn't record 
And uh, that's one thing you got to do is make notes and record because otherwise you're questioning yourself later the next day. Or so I said, this really happened or I dream it, you know? So I was, I'm trying to make, oh, anyway, this thing kept dropping around. I started yelling at it. I said, hey, I told you not to come back later in dark and scare me because <laughs> I, I say I'm not afraid, but you still don't know if you're going to get eaten or not, you know? Right. Uh, I think what this thing was looking for in retrospect was we usually leave food out for them and I didn't leave anything out because really I only had power bars. And I didn't leave anything out because I wasn't sure. Uh, I, wasn't, I didn't even think about it. And uh, But anyway, it came right up next to my, you hear it walking up right next to my tent and just stop. And all of a sudden that's it. I didn't hear anything else. I didn't hear it walk away until four o'clock that morning. I didn't sleep, by the way. Didn't sleep much at all that night making notes, trying to get my tape recorder, see what's going on, why it wouldn't work, brand new lithium batteries. And uh, I hear this metallic sound right outside the tent. And it's really, I can't even describe it. It wasn't just metallic, electrical metallic type sounds. Uh, I don't know what it was. That's all that happened. That was four o'clock in the morning. So as soon as daylight came, I, I packed up and took off. I had enough power bars last me for three days. I thought I was going to stay up there for three days, but nope. My question was answered. They're still around. <laughs> so. My sister, um, because um, as, as a kid, I used to read all those stories, Albert Osman, all that stuff. <laughs> and I remember telling my sister and my family that uh, about Bigfoot, um, when Albert Osman was sl slung over his back, how he gave it a, a mm -hmm. slight cough going uphill. And that was her question is, does he have a slight cough? Does he have a cough? Very funny. Okay. A you know. cough? Yeah. Because Osman had said he that, that that when he went up a steep a steep incline, he had a cough. <laughs> and so to this day, because I must have been like seven or eight, and to this day my sister remembers that. She just mentioned it in the chat room. <laughs> can't trust family. You just can't. <laughs> you know? We got some interesting uh, sounds we captured. Uh, I've read that story. You know, I went up there to Toby Inlet. I flew up there in my plane with uh, Peter Byrne and Al Berry and uh, a videographer just to check it out and check out yeah. Ross's awesome story out. We uh, we stopped in Camel River and had a, uh, a helicopter on standby there that we could call because I took my plane. We just slow flew the whole day around looking for the bowl that he was supposedly held in. We was going to get helicoptered in there and stay there to look for artifacts, you know, snuff cans, you know, something like that that he said he had. But we never could find the bowl. And uh, flew right into Toba Inlet and checked out the altitude and everything he said he was at when he saw the ships. And uh, we studied thoroughly, really. And truthfully, I called up John Green and I asked him, uh, I don't think he was in Toba Inlet. None of us think he was. He said, oh, he thought I was, he thought I was saying that Albert Osman lied about it. I said, no, no, I, I don't think he lied. I think he was just mistaken. There's a lot of inlets up there. And you take the Indian that supposedly rode him up there on the boat, the timing and all the stuff. And I know he was methodic about how he got out of there and what he's seen when he seen Mount Baker and all that stuff. But but I don't think he was in Toba Inlet. Uh, just didn't, didn't gel. So never did find the bowl. Never did. Uh, never did. So we didn't land in a helicopter like I did last week. It's so interesting because, I mean, it even shows the family, you know, the, the family unit at work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they're family. They're running families. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much for sure. And uh, yeah, I was uh, fortunate to go to Alaska. Uh, 
this last summer with the Travel Channel and uh, uh, the Alaska Killer Bigfoot series they had out. And uh, I think they had me an episode uh, uh, four and five, I think it was. And they took me in there and uh, they want to know what to do because they want to read. I don't know if you know the Portlock story or not, but uh, do you know about it? The Portlock story? Oh, well, this whole village abandoned this village about 70 years ago because these people were being tore apart. Uh, several people killed and missing and there wasn't a bear. They saw this thing and it was like a Bigfoot monster and uh, they wanted to re rehabituate that area because it's a fishing village but mm -hmm. no one's there now and uh, so they wanted to know what to do about this Bigfoot creatures that are up there and I said well since there's more than one number one I said but <clears throat> when I was flying over in the helicopter I noticed the land was uh, the logging they did there was just brutal and they were wasting logs they were also uh, overfishing I think and uh, from the pictures I saw anyway and I told them you know I think what happened was, uh, plus they were mining there, and it's doing a lot of things that probably wasn't respectful to the property. And my my suggestion was, and they didn't show this on the program, but my suggestion was, is show them respect, show the land respect. If you do come back, if you want to habituate this village again and get the fishing going, don't, don't, uh, well, first of all, don't shoot at them if you see them. And I have no doubt if you've seen a 15 foot tall or 12 foot tall creature like this you'd probably shoot at it and that's just what people want to do they want to kill what mm -hmm. they don't understand and uh don't don't do that but i uh, pretty much guarantee if one that popped out of the woods when we were up there this guy would have shot it <laughs> nice so anyway it was a fun trip i really appreciate uh, going up there i appreciate meeting those guys they were real people uh, they weren't actors or even trying to be right they really wanted to rehabituate that uh, that site so I don't know if they're going to or not. I hear you. I, I got off on a tangent there, but that's okay. It's all good. No, you're you're a fascinating guy to talk to about this. I mean, you you spent a long time studying these things, you know, going out to get this audio. Uh, uh, more than most, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I have some audio, and like I said, you sent me one, which I'm going to play right now, a rapid fire one. And then I have the other, the other ones that you sent me five years ago, which I happened to dig up and find. So <laughs> if you could set us up for the rapid fire one, what was happening with this one? Well, it's it's, it's probably, I'm not sure, it's probably the two, two talking to each other. They're just very aggressive sounding, but they're talking to each other. We didn't know at the time if they're looking for the salt and pepper to put on us to eat us. They're going to carry us away in our sleeping bags like they did Al Rossman. <laughs> What's going on? We don't know what we're dealing with, other than they're big, they're strong. Our guns, it's a hunting camp. Keep in mind, we're all heavily armed. So we thought, well, we'll shoot these things for coming after the shelter after us. But we never shot at them, never shot at them. And uh, they didn't intimidate us out. But these sounds that you're fixing here are very intimidating. And that's why one guy wouldn't go back up there. And uh, he don't go back to this day. I don't think he goes up there. <clears throat> Too spooky. Very religious person. You don't know where to put that in your... And your religious paradigm, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> 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 
That's it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with that either, boy. <laughs> that was Warren Johnson. Uh, that's when we get kind of comfortable. We realize they weren't really maybe coming in after us, but uh, he uh, he's the one that said that's not nice. You know, but that was from inside the shelter. The, Al Berry, that's his recording. He had that out uh, outside the, his microphone uh, outside the shelter, about 40 feet up behind the shelter, actually. And uh, so, yeah, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know. They're arguing over the food because we leave food out for them, mm-hmm. and that's what we thought at the time. They're argu- or they might just be arguing about what to do about us. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's incredible! That hmm. okay. The next one is the um, attention one. Okay, well, I think it's just same thing. I don't know what to think. It's attention display. I think it's just. Race, literally, what you heard the first time just a minute ago is language by the human definition of language that Scott Nelson determined. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one is probably just attention getting. It, it probably is not language. We'll we'll find out. Uh, it's been so long since I know what I've sent you. <laughs> and away we go. Okay. Sounds like speech. You know, that's really exactly close. right. Yeah, that last little muy tail sound you heard there at the last is in the human range, and that's that's the actual clip right there that Dr. Curlin studied uh, thoroughly. That's what he talks about in the paper they wrote, and uh, it shows on the graft in this uh, man like monsters on trial, and that's where his paper is written in that book, uh, and it shows the human range, and it's got these icons of different tones that they were making sounds of. And a lot of them were outside the human range, way outside. And then that last little bit where it says, muy tell, like that, that was inside the human range. And uh, that's pretty cool because I got called up on the Art Bell program years ago. And somebody said, oh, that's human. You know, somebody's playing with you guys. Well, you know, no. <laughs> now that we've got all this study done and the facts are out there, uh, people that say it's it's a dog's fight or anybody can make those sounds or Right. Uh, they're just not doing their homework. 
of what we had done with these sounds. They've been out there for 50 years. They can't be debunked because they're not debunkable. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that one, that sounds like human speech in a couple yeah. of spots. Yeah, wow. yeah. In fact, we sent it to uh, a primate specialist back uh, somewhere back east here somewhere, and they heard it. And I went, they're supposed to be a scientist. She's supposed to be. She is a scientist, but she didn't do scientific because we sent her $2,500 to, you know, look at this thing. And uh, she just listened to it and said, oh, that's somebody playing with it. That's human. Well, she she didn't do a study on it at all. She just said that after she listened. That's not science. Albert got really mad. I, I just said, well, there goes my 2500 bucks. But he, he wrote to her. He he did everything he could to try to get her funding taken away from her. <laughs> she wouldn't give us our money back because she thought we was playing with her. But uh, anyway, uh, that's how narrow-minded some people are when it comes to the right. subject matter. It's just they don't want to believe that, it ha that anything can... They don't want to believe that something like that could be out there because only humans have the vocal mechanism for language, and this represents right. language. Right. That Yeah, that one's something. This is the one you talked about earlier, the, the, the one that sounded like a question. Yeah, that was in 74. That was uh, when I got my tape recorder out of my saddlebag and just started recording this uh, stuff going on. And uh, some things in there just sound like they were asking me questions uh, during that evening. And uh, again, I was mimicking them uh, <laughs> after listening to them later. Fortunately, I, I had sent that off to Alan Berry because during this time, my house had burned down. I lost all my good recordings. Uh, in the house fire, but I'd sent that one off to Al, so he sent it back to me, and that's how I made my second CD out of this one. And it shows a wood knocking. The, well, we say wood knocking. You don't see them beating on trees, but I know they do because you it's rhythmically, and uh, it's it's quite interesting, really, that that happened to me. And uh, at the time, you don't you don't realize how significant it is. And, right. Uh, I do now, I think. And if I had it all do over again, I think I'd probably done some things differently, but I I don't have to do over again, you know. So, right. Right. Yeah. Next one is the talk to me. Oh, same night. Yeah. Now that sounds, those sounds are so different from the ones a couple of years prior. Same camp, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> I asked Scott Nelson, does the same type mechanism make the same sounds? Right. And he said, yes, it's the same creature. He thinks they slowed their vocalizations down to possibly something we could understand because they talk so rapidly in these other recordings. And that night in 74, it wasn't that, you know, that, that right there was directed at me. And, uh, I don't know what they were asking me, but I uh, wish I did. Uh, but he says the same 
Same vocal mechanism did it. They're trying. Yeah. Here is the samurai. Oh, this, this is, is one the... I thought sounded so Asian the last time I heard yeah. it. It just blew my mind. Here we go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's when I saw it. <laughs> now it's strange when you <laughs> most people say, "Well, if you don't see what made the sound, you don't know what made the sound." That's so true. But that mm -hmm. night, I got to see what's making the sound, so it made me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. It does sound Asian. It really does. Yeah, it does. Uh, very, very Asian. And you know, uh, some of this vocalizations we've heard up there and uh, I was down in uh, Yucatan and got with some uh, Mayan descendants who still speak the Mayan language and uh, the mm -hmm. Mayan language isn't Spanish you know they Spaniards made them start learning Spanish and take up Spanish names but the Mayan actually Mayans their language is very similar to this and then I find out <clears throat> it's not as rapid as this but it's then I find out they got this birthmark at the base of their spine when they're born some of them do and that birthmark is a uh, the DNA comes out of Mongolia. So that's, that's, I just thought I'd throw that in. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> so, this is to make people understand this. This is before there were digital voice recorders. This is tape, right? Oh, this is tape, yeah. Tape, okay. cassette, cassette tape. Cassette, recorder. right. Cassette tape. Mm -hmm. Incredible, incredible. I have a whistling one down here. Oh, whistle. Yeah, the whistles do. Let me set this up. Okay. <clears throat> are done through the vocal cavity and not through the lips. We whistle through our lips. And mm -hmm. you'll hear, I think it's the one I sent you, you'll hear the whistle, Warren Johnson whistling at it, and then it's whistling back. But it's whistling really pretty harmonics. Had that studied, according to Professor Curlin, uh, it's done through the vocal cavity and not through the lips. Okay, here we go. Yeah, it was Warren Johnson stepping. He's passed away now, but uh, he was kind of the leader of the group. When he wasn't there, I would, I would kind of be the one that we we felt like this one voice is all should be out there when uh, trying to communicate with them. This is just this is this. I mean, how did you get this off the tapes too? I mean, what was the process? Because I mean, you just didn't have a cable to download. This is not like it is today. Well, you just had the cassettes, <clears throat> and uh, now since then, I've, cause I've taken the cassettes and put them on CDs and put them on DAT, and uh, that's what we've done to preserve them. Because, yeah, tapes would be crumbling after about 20 years. I just, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, how were you able, like like you made these, well, I guess by, by the time you made these files, <laughs> you were able to transfer them. Well, the first thing we did was for, took him to the studio, yeah, because when okay. I made my first CD in 1990, uh, <clears throat> uh, 90, late 90s, that's the first CD that I made with Alberry's story, and it's narrated by Jonathan Frakes, Star Trek Next Generation, and uh, we went down to Burbanks to make that happen, and that's when, you know, you transfer them over to do all that on commercial CD, so they're all preserved, and uh, 
got a lot of them. We're all recording. It's not like just one or two recordings. Uh, Bill McDowell's recording. Johnson's were recording. Uh, Alberry's recording. So we'll have we'll have the same stuff. So there's a lot of cooperation there. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm the only one with their neck stuck out that's talking about this stuff. <laughs> the other guys that are remaining, what couple that are still alive, uh, they don't they don't get into it like I do. Uh, I had asked Bill, my good friend down in Merced, California. He he uh, he said, you know, it's hard enough to get people to even believe in there's a Bigfoot out there, much less the stuff that went on with us up there. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's I just don't even talk. But he's pretty he's pretty stable and kind of uh, very well thought of in the, in the whole community. And he he just don't want to deal with it, you know, because uh, it's, it's strange and most people just can't get their head around it, uh, that that could exist. But more and more people are nowadays. That's why I say these bigger groups, these conventions, when I speak at them, are, are housing thousands of people, not not hundreds. Like used to be in speaking, just be a few hundred there, maybe two or three hundred. Now there's uh, two or three thousand. And, I think uh, I remember telling you um, the last time you were on that uh, we had a house, not cl- not close to Happy Camp, but about twenty miles from Happy Camp. And I remember going up to Happy Camp. My dad, you know, knew I was into this stuff, so he drove me up to Happy Camp to ch- check it out. And of course, they had the big, big <laughs> Bigfoot, you know, museum thing going on. Yeah, with yeah. <laughs> and the guy in the green SUV, right, the Bigfoot hunter. Uh, that's a uh, Bigfoot research on the Peter side. Peter Byrne. That would have been Peter yeah. Byrne, probably. Yeah. So yeah. it, it was funny because I, you know, I was just like, "Wow, <laughs> they're really." Because I, even though I had read up on it and stuff, I never realized that you know people were actually out in these big SUVs and stuff, you know, going out and doing. Oh, that. it's a big deal. You know, <clears throat> no idea fifty years ago you know, that it would turn into something like we're doing now. Uh, no clue. Uh, didn't realize how significant it was, and just uh, didn't didn't think about it. Uh, a lot of people are into it now, and uh, that's why I'm considered the, the grayback, one of the graybacks. Now, Peter Byrne, I, I just talked to him the other day. He's still alive. The guy's at 95 years old. He's he's a f- total flesh and blood, and you know, people say, well, you're either flesh and blood or you're a woo-wooer. Well, nothing is just flesh and blood. Nothing. It's all energy, frequency, vibration. We are at our most level of existence, frequency, energy, vibrating at a, at a level, and uh you find you find frequency of anything you can change the matter and that's just science and yet it's hard for people to get their head around that you know you think you're making things happen well you are making things happen <laughs> i didn't say that right but anyway i thought i'd throw that out there well you know i agree with you because in, par- in doing paranormal work like i have for the last almost 20 years there are certain people that are more inclined to see stuff and experience stuff than others and I agree with you that it's whatever frequency they're on. Yeah. And people talk about these things being the mind speak. They ask me if whatever mind speak to you. I, I don't know. I'm too analytical. I, I you know, I, I always try to, well, what am I thinking about to make that thought come into my head? You don't know. But I do believe if they can, they can tune into your frequency and they can, uh, they can mind speak. I, I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt too much of anything anymore because everything is possible. But right. I know one time uh, Warren Johnson and I was, We'd heard this, him and I were up there by ourselves, and we we uh, heard this out there, mouth and all, one of these Bigfoots, and he had to be behind this big tree, and we was inside the shelter, and said, well, let's jump out there right quick, and we'll see it run off, because it's, uh, night, you know, it's nighttime, but, it, you know, starlight and moonlight at 8,400 feet elevation is 
bright. <laughs> you can see, you read a newspaper. And uh, so we jump out of the shelter and we're going to start walking up there. We're probably 10, 15 feet apart, you know, just slowly walking up. We're going to see this thing run away. We're going to get a glimpse of this thing. And all of a sudden, we're froze, just like in a force field. I mean, I just have to relate to it in my book, just a force field. You can't go any further. And uh, we go back, and we weren't talking to each other. We were just really careful and uh, couldn't go any, couldn't get any closer to that tree. And he looked over me and said, I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't go. And I said, I can't either. So we turned around and went back. And we no sooner got back to the shelter, this thing starts mouthing off again and with his chatter. And, and you you think it's just like he was laughing at you or something like I showed you guys. I brought this up to a scientist, Dr. Leroy Fish, actually, who's passed away now. But he said, you know, well, science doesn't want to know about your fears. And I said, you know, it wasn't fear. Uh, it wasn't. He said, well, it had to be infrasound or pheromones. So uh, it being, uh, I think, infrasound affects affects you. You know, you can't hear it, but it affects you. It's what large animals use. Tigers use it to prey on thing, things. Uh, actually, I think Hitler uses it to <clears throat> control people this, uh, years ago. But uh, giraffes use it. Elephants use it. It's, it's a sound that you can... You can emanate, or large animals emanate that, but and it can affect you, but it, you don't hear it. So uh, it, I thought it was probably pheromones, mm -hmm. because uh, pheromones, excuse me, infrasound, because pheromones only work within the same species. But now that I, I believe there's a human component to these things, um, it could have been pheromones, or maybe it just been an attribute that we don't understand how they brought that on to us. That's another thing, too. How did, how did they, they either hypnotize us all? One time we thought our camp was being tore apart up there, and we we look outside the shelter door later when it all stopped, and nothing's changed, and yet you, you know you heard the barrels being ripped open and stuff, and mm -hmm. yet they weren't. So what do you do with that? You know, they really hypnotize us all, or do we really hear something? Did their voice mechanism able to do that kind of a sound? It's very expansive. It's very unique. Their voice mechanism is much superior to ours. I have no doubt they can mimic just about any animal they want to mimic in the woods. What gives them away is their aptitude. They're very loud. I thought I heard an 800-pound owl up there one time. <laughs> well, it makes you wonder because, I mean, there's a, also that part of twilight. You know, people go into that almost that twilight sleep before they fall asleep. And you'll, huh. and, and you'll, and you'll hear sounds. Well, that's the yeah, that's the alpha state. Yeah, alpha and, sounds that don't exist. I mean, you might hear you might hear an explosion in your house, but or, or something falls or something, but nothing falling. Yeah, yeah, that's you get an alpha state. You're you're kind of working outside your 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 beta your beta awareness. So we're in a beta state right now, and you get into the alpha state. It's just before you drift off of the theta state. And I talk about this in my quantum book, which you just showed. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, but yeah, it's in between that state where you're not. You're just relaxed and you're not thinking because that's the trouble with some of us. We think too much <laughs> trying to figure everything out. You just got to relax and, and, and uh, get into that alpha. That alpha state is where you're talking about right now, where you're just fading off and yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had some strange things happen to me during the night when I'm not even there. Well, you know, and being out in the woods like I have, my mother and I used to camp all the time up uh, up at Mount Lassen and stuff. I mean, you do hear some weird stuff. 
you know, like, like, like at night, like, 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 like you say, things being moved around that aren't being moved around and you get up in the morning and you think, well, gee, that's going to be over there, but it's still, still where it was. Uh-huh. So there's definitely something odd going on in these places. You know, I think if we could see everything really going on around us, like I say, we only see within certain parameters of light's frequency. If we could see everything, we'd, we'd really be amazed. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on uh, around us in different dimensions that we just don't see. And uh, sometimes you feel them. That's where I think ghosts are. You know, they're in the fourth dimension. They just haven't vibrated. Their vibrational frequency hasn't got high enough to get where they want to go, which is either in the fifth dimension or where it depends on where you were with your life. And and if you've got to respond to where's your karma going to be, do you need to go back and respond to something better and learn, learn what love and compassion is all about? Or mm-hmm. are you just going to fade away? No, you're not going to fade. Nothing dies. So where are you going to be? Uh, people see these victims cloaking. Uh, I, 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 they can do that. According to science, they can do that. And also, the, right on that Missing 401, The Hunted, that David Pilates uh, put out, is an episode right after my 15-minute section in there that, this tree, she was hunting in a tree stand. And, oh, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. She's seen this pixelation like a, a shimmering uh, effect going from one tree to another. Yeah. And that's what I've heard so many people report, you know, and there's got to be an answer to that. These people aren't lying. They're not all out to just, oh, fuzzy, fuzzy, you know, or smoking something strange. Uh, by the way, our camp was very sober. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are doing drugs or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's something going on out there you just can't see. And, you know, uh, I, I use the analogy of a, a bear's olfactory sense. You know, a bear can smell 2,100 times better than we can. That's the science that way. Well, we know they can do that. We can't smell that way. So there's something going on there we can't. Same with our eyes. We can't see all the frequencies going on. If we could see those frequencies, we'd probably see the ghosts. And that's why people do see, some see, do see ghosts is because sure. of the of the temperature, the plasma field, everything, the fourth dimension is where they're at, I think. And going through time and trying to get somewhere are going to, maybe they're waiting to make the right choice of what body embodiment to come back in them so they can respond to something because it's all about experiences. We're very fortunate. Human, human beings are very fortunate to be who we are. And uh, if you get into biblical, I was tra- I was raised religiously. I'm not religious now, but uh, we're all spiritual beings, whether we like it or not. What one man calls God, another man calls science of physics, quantum physics. That's sure. Nikola Tesla said that. Uh, but uh, what was I going to that? <laughs> it's laid back what, here. <laughs> what do you have? To, what do you have to say to all these new up and coming uh, Bigfoot investigators? Where do I? What do I say? What? What, what, what advice do you give them? Oh, keep your open mind. <clears throat> you know, they got an open mind. If you have an open mind, you're allowed to have something happen, and then you can maybe analyze it. Uh, but just don't make up your mind on what you think they are. Uh, just don't make up your mind. That's the parameters that classical science is in. And so many researchers are going, well, if you can't see it, it's, eh, show me the proof. Show me the proof. Well, quantum physics, you're not going to see something with your eyes, you're going to have to understand it through mathematics or through physics, which is mathematics. And it just, I think that's the best advice I can give anybody, have an open mind. One thing I can say is that, I, I, you know, I see a lot of these photos that, that people take, you know, 
Some of them, okay. <laughs> but okay. the one I thought that was so tangible was the Caltrans camera. Oh, yeah. That was something. You know, just to see something like that pick up and then for Caltrans to go, hey, you know, we, 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 we don't know what this is, but, but it's there. I mean, that's... Well, yeah. Yeah. I think our government even knows about these things. I'm quite sure that, but, you know, if it gets out, <clears throat> what we're talking about now, if it gets out, yeah, and the government says, well, like the government just said, now we can believe in UFOs, right? Now mm -hmm. we can believe in aliens, right? Well, we couldn't do that before. You know, it's just a weather balloon, right? Roswell was, what Roswell was, but no, they had an alien confinement for a few years right there and uh but yeah uh, when the government says you can believe in bigfoot because they're out there then everybody's going to see them because <laughs> no tell us you know <laughs> do you think and i know this is silly but do you think you know for, for the newer generation of bigfoot guys that, that harry and the hendersons really got people's attention that was funny that was good yeah i liked the very end of it where they all just sort of came out of the trees they were camouflaged to the trees you know and uh that was interesting <laughs> that, that made me think of uh, when i was i mentioned earlier when i was in alaska how much time we got where are we don't anyway? keep going just blah we're good i mean just an hour and a half or two hours or how? Yeah. well we can go two hours if you want whatever uh, you want really You're the boss. <laughs> i'm open I'll fall asleep for right. a minute. I, you know I don't drink beer or nothing. This is it, man. This is it. Uh, Bottle of water and chit-chat with people. Well, anyway, uh, there's a mystery up there for sure, but I do believe there is something going on in Port Lock, Alaska, that area there. Like, there's other things going on in Alaska that I know about that has nothing to do with Port Lock, but other than it's Bigfoot, there's some big Bigfoots up there, huge ones. And, uh, but, what am I going to say about that? Uh... <laughs> I get tired about this time. It's late. It's not dark. It's not. It's not late where you're at, though. <laughs> well, if you want to, you know, knock off, I'm good with that too. I mean, I'm fine with it. You know, if you're if you're tired or whatever. Up <clears throat> to you. Well, well let me you. say this uh, before you do. If I do, not okay. off. <laughs> Drop off sleep here. <laughs> on top on the screen. Well, that's my bedtime. Uh, no, my website is ronmorehead.com. Okay. And that's where people can download uh, my books. Uh, okay. Voices of Wilderness comes with a uh, embedded sounds if you uh, if you order the book or if you just download it you'll hear the sounds uh the quantum bigfoot is there and i have two cds <clears> both of them about 40 minutes there, there you go yeah that's one of them and uh i wrote that as my first book it talks about it's my chronicle of doing this and it's 40 years of doing it and uh anyway uh, i kind of like that book Get a lot of sell a lot of them still but they're all filled through Amazon, so all the time I sign them is when I'm at a, a, a conference or something. That's all the time I have the chance to because I don't stock them here at the house anymore. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Well, you know what? I'm going to let you get some sleep. Hour and a half. I, I think we're good. Um, I'd love to have you on again to chat another time with you about, you know, like the, like the stuff in Alaska and stuff. How's that sound? Yeah, Alaska is a, is a wild frontier <laughs> it's a <clears throat> it's a interesting place i i used to live up there when I, I was in the military up there in the air force elmendorf for a couple of years and uh, a lot of more than people would realize there's stuff going on all over that people just don't realize and again if we could see in all frequencies we'd be 
amazed at what would be going on. Uh, Absolutely. I have a quite last question out of the chat room. Yeah, good. Uh, Bigfoot are shy and, and secluded. Is hunting them causing them to be... Um, is it intrusive for us to be hunting them? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't encourage that at all, but some people think that's the big dollar shots, you know, if you can shoot them. But, you know, Fred Beck, supposedly behind Mount St. Helens, uh, shot one, and he swears up and down, he hit it dead on and fell, and they never could find the body. But, uh, you know, I've had other people say that I had him right in the scope, but I couldn't shoot him. It looked too human-like. Uh, but I, I, it's, it's a human nature, especially if you got a gun, to shoot things you don't understand. Right. That's just a shame, but that's what we do as humans. And uh, no, it's wrong to shoot at them. It's wrong to even go out with that attitude. In fact, you got to go out just neutral. Just be simple. Have fun. I've got a whole bunch of bullet points on what to do and what not to do. Because sometimes it's what not to do that's more important than what you do. And uh, be have fun. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what life is supposed to be about. So Aren't there some fun. states that? That have protections on them, though. I thought, yeah, I thought um, Eureka had protections on them. I don't think there's protection Eureka. I think it's up in uh, Southern Washington. The county okay. passed an ordinance okay. like that. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, probably it a gorge Eureka up there. Or, uh, <coughs> Little Creek or whatever. But, it was. Yeah. Yeah, they won't do that until they acknowledge them. Science hasn't acknowledged these things, and they won't as long as they're, they're, uh, the funding is coming from uh, the government. <laughs> Whoever controls the money is controlling the narrative. <laughs> That's why I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things coming up in the future. Uh, a lot of interesting things. Uh, I think we're going to be inundated with, uh, before too many more years, if not sooner, with, in, uh, with uh, aliens, really, UFOs. And uh, you're going to see more and more of them. They're going to come out. and We're in the age of enlightenment now, so things are going to come out of the woods. and We're going to know more than we've ever known. And we got a lot more to learn. We haven't evolved like we're supposed to evolve as humans. I wanted to say more about who we are as humans because if you go into biblical scriptures, I'm going to do that because I'm not I'm not religious, but I know the scriptures because I was raised that way. Uh, God in the Bible is plural. Mm -hmm. It's plural. You go into First John one five. It says God is light. If you get into it really deep, the light people created us in their image. And they are the ninth, ninth dimensional people who, who are interdimensional. They can go in any dimension they want to. Other 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 aliens are just certain dimensions. They, not all of them can cross over into another dimension. In fact, they don't. Another reason I think they're hybridization under this earth is because they want to acclimate their species and their frequency into this environment. Uh, however, you get into light beings and who we are as special as human beings and what we're supposed to be like. And what, what's really in store for us if we learn how to evolve into consciousness of, of love and compassion. So that's a good place to end it before I fall asleep. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's always a treat having you on. Oh, thanks, Charlie. And I appreciate that. I so that. appreciate you coming on. And I would love to have you on again to talk about, like, the ones in Alaska. And, you know, maybe at some point, you know, where, where you're living now. I mean, you know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, this is what I do. I can, I love these things because I can sit here. Now, when I was on the West Coast, which is where I've been all my life, 
these people that interviewed me from the East Coast three hours earlier. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's working against me now. I was on one of these just night before last, and it was the same thing. I started at 10 o'clock, but it was only six o'clock where I was, where they were. I think something like that, or four. Well, next no, time, we'll, next time we'll start earlier for you, too. I get well, it. Well, if you ever pre record, that works out really well for me. We could do that, too. See, <laughs> we could do whatever you want. Well, sorry, for thanks you. for having me. I, I really appreciate it. For you, anything. Okay. Oh. <laughs> but I really Great. appreciate you coming on. And well, it's see. always good to see yeah. you. Okay. Thank you. Same here. All right, Ron. You have a good one. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right. That was fun. I love having him on. It is so fun. And every time, hang on a second. I'm looking down here. Okay. There we go. Every time he's on, it just blows me away. You know, the, the, the those sounds, because I am. I am a, I am a, I don't want to say Bigfoot fiend. It sounds terrible, but I am a person that followed Bigfoot since I was like, as soon as I could read books. My first trip to Mount Rainier impressed me because I knew it was Bigfoot country, so I had to buy that book, and I still have the Mount Rainier Bigfoot case book. Stuff's like ancient in there, but it's still there. But I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. We usually don't do a Friday night, but uh, it was well worth it for Ron Moorhead, you know, to have him on for you guys to hear those those Bigfoot sounds. They're a lot different than what. Um, Mike Patterson has up up in Oregon, but you know different dialects, like like he says, you know di 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 different forms of the spe species or whatever. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, we learn. I hope everybody learned something tonight. Sunday I'll be back uh, reading, so I'll be back re you know reading something Sunday. We're gonna read something. So uh, come back Sunday at six p.m. Pacific time, and that's what I'll be doing. Uh, remember, I have a ghost tour scheduled for uh, March 26th, and I will take you on a ghost hunt, whether it's an old hotel or whether it is a uh, haunted cemetery. We're going to do this, okay? And uh, no, it's not, not one of these psychic tours where they take you, you know, room to room or grave to grave or anything like that and blah, 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 blah. We're going to take you out with our equipment, and we are going to show you how to do a ghost hunt and show you how to use that, the, you know, how to use all that equipment. So uh, it's going to be just, just like a real ghost hunt for you. Okay, nothing, nothing jellied over. Plus, you get to meet me, spend time with me, right? Yeah, I can tell you're all excited. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming tonight. And if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people anyway. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Check out the our website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. And if you want to check out the paranormal website, that's California Haunts Radio. California Haunts Radio. CaliforniaHaunts.org. See, it's just it's like a tongue tongue twister thing going on. Okay. Again, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, there's a little guy down in the corner down there that uh, it's a little ghosty with a Sherlock Holmes hat and a magnifying glass. He's investigating. That's that's our that's our chief investigator. And uh, click on that, and that'll subscribe you, so you know when videos like this come up. Um, if you can't find YouTube right away uh, you know the best way to do it is to type in california haunts on youtube boom we'll pop we should pop up but if not we do have a dedicated url but it's complicated um but if not go to our website the radio website click on the video that's on the front page and that'll take you directly to the youtube site now you see that little thing flashed along the bottom this is my pbs moment uh california haunts paranormal investigation team is a nonprofit. So uh, in order to bring this show to you, everything comes out of pocket, just like all the equipment that the uh, paranormal group uses comes out of pocket. So I need help like anybody else to keep things going. And I want to keep things going. I'm a journalist by trade and I enjoy doing the show and 
bringing you, you know, bringing everybody interesting got people that, that I interview and information to you. So if you can kind of help me out, I'd appreciate it. That's at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, that's Venmo, and then type in California Haunts. But I'd really appreciate it because I do want to keep the bills paid and keep the stuff going. You know, if computer breaks or camera goes down or something like that, I, I, I have to replace it out of my own pocket. Okay? Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming again tonight. And don't forget about the ghost tour. You can find a, a link to that ghost tour and, and, and get more details on the California Haunts Radio website. Just go on the website and go up to extras and click on that and it'll take you it'll take you down to special events and that's where i have it listed so i want to thank you all and i will see you sunday so we can read a haunted book have a good one